0: Hello, and welcome to the Wide Comics Podcast, where we talk about the comics that impacted us and the creators who make them. I'm your host, Jesse, and with me today is the creator and writer of Stud and the Bloodblade, Perry Crow. Perry, how are you doing tonight? Even though we just talked about that earlier.
1: The sure. Creator, right? Yes, let's get back into it. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Jesse.
0: Um. Perry, you uh, reached out to me uh, just out of the blue about your comic study, and I'm like, yeah. Like I'll, the thing about this podcast is, I like I want to talk to big creators because they're like my heroes in some ways, but the smaller creators, like I don't. I need to know more. I need to know more about all this stuff. Cause Kickstarter is so vast mm-hmm. and the independent market is so huge. So like when uh, independent creators come um, like reach out to me and stuff, I'm like, yes, please tell me what your comic. I need to know. Cause I don't, I wouldn't know otherwise. I'll never find this otherwise.
1: <laughs> no, for sure. There's a lot of, a lot of comics out there. And yeah, we, um, you know, we started with a Kickstarter uh, for the first issue, but um, we have a publisher CEX publishing comics experience, publishing is a new publisher we're the first book out from them so it's very very exciting and poses its own set of challenges as well but uh yeah excited to have the book out
0: uh stud is very much like for anybody that wants a quick idea of what stud is like take he-man but kind of put it on steroids but not even like normal steroids like modern storytelling steroids like people like people are talking. there's a big discussion about the new he-man cartoon and um i haven't seen it yet because i'm so busy so busy, <laughs> so busy. <laughs> but like the what i've heard about people's complaints I'm like that sounds interesting because it's not what came before and that's always mm-hmm. the issues like you're always worried that you're gonna reiterate on something that came before and not do anything cool not do anything fun and it basically feels like you're like here's all my he-man toys but what if i just mashed them together and made cooler new toys that people can come up with today because these concepts and the ideas that you mess with and the characters you create and instead are like so vastly out of like the minds of people in the 80s that like it, they would probably give them a heart attack if they looked at them today <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. the designs are very similar and that's what i really love about it. it keeps like the vibe of he-man but goes fully into like the craziness of what that world actually is
1: Sure, I think that's a great way to describe it, that it's like playing with He-Man figures, but sort of like adults playing with He-Man figures, if that makes sense, sort of, you know, the the themes and ideas are kind of more what an adult would deal with, kind of deals with morality and sort of how perspective kind of defines morality and good and evil. It's less about that than everyone has their own perspective and their own goals and, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I certainly grew up playing with He Man, and that was really the genesis of the story. I mean, no surprise. But I mean, I even came to comics through uh, Masters of the Universe and He Man. You know, they, they came with those mini comics, yeah. and um, <clears throat> yeah, that was kind of my introduction to comics in general i didn't even obviously really connect it to the larger you know marvel dc world but that's sort of that sequential art you know that was sort of my introduction uh to comics
0: and and what's funny there's a weird uh twist that gets kind of thrown into it right away with you kind of mix planet of the apes with it too um and I, i think that's the thing that really sold me i was like wait a second I thought I was reading a comic about Barbarian. Why is there a spaceman? Like why is there a space crash happening? Where's the, where's the Barbarian? And then like a few panels later, Stud shows up, but it was really like threw me off. It's like I was not expecting space travel in this book.
1: (laughs) I will. I love Planet of the Apes. That original movie is one of my all time favorites. Um, But, you know, sort of using uh, astronauts in sort of a, barbarian primordial world uh, is is sort of is what I what drew me or what I really liked about He-Man and Masters of the Universe that it was fantasy it had dragons it had castles but there was also you know these machines and flying machines and lasers and robots and I mean you know one of the great things about Master of the Universe is that it just feels like it's everybody in the pool sort Mm -hmm. of just mashing up wild ideas and it's just whatever's fun and big bright colors and big action and crazy technology <clears throat> so i certainly was inspired by that and sort of took that maybe to another level and um yeah just uh, got everything in there we got demons we got astronauts we got you know uh witches we got robots it's a little bit of everything a little bit, little bit, of bug creatures, a lot of bug Bugs. creatures actually. Um,
0: a little bit of fairy, like fairy goddesses. Like it's, really, it's really fun and it's very epic. Like it, it's funny. Like the the first issue says epic first size double issue. I'm like, aren't all three of these issues double issues? <laughs> and it, That's true. And, and it helps. I think having them be double issues and you basically cutting them off in the middle, like see what happens next time. Like it's the next page, but see, like see what happens <laughs> next time. It makes it feel grand that you don't really get when you're waiting month to month for a comic when you get two kind of issues in one it keeps that grandness going i think for a bit longer and especially cool. the way you cut off those issues to inside the comic it does like have really fun cliffhanger like well i'm not i'm gonna find out in the next page but <laughs> it's a it's a fun way to like kind of transition as the like hard cut into something
1: else Sure. Yeah, we had actually originally <clears throat> written and done the whole book as a five-issue series, and the publisher, um, you know, wanted to kind of consolidate that into three issues. I mean, there's sort of the the classic, um, you know, after issue three, huge sales drop. So yeah. the thinking was, hey, we'll just do three issues, and it won't have a chance to to keep dropping. But I really, I I feel like it it reads really well as um you know two issues in one and then a giant size finale that's like a single story but longer um but cool it's awesome to hear that uh, you enjoyed that kind of approach
0: yeah it kind of reminded me of in in the original star wars trilogy those screen wipes that they do and that's like a really hard cut between two scenes that's what mm-hmm. it really reminded me of. was like we're just transitioning now like hard into the next <laughs>
1: thing right
0: um with the adult aspect of it because it is very he-man there's a lot of fun going on but there's a lot of like adult themes and adult things happening um what made you decide to tackle it that way instead of just being fun and goofy and lighthearted the whole time
1: I mean that's a that's a great question I mean I suppose these are sort of ideas that I think about and um are fascinating to me I I uh grew up reading, or not even grew up, as a young adult, I guess. I read, you know, sort of uh, existential novels like Camus and uh, Sartre and and that stuff is really fascinating to me. And, um, you know, just sort of blending. Maybe I, I failed to fully grow up. So I still have sort of that love of adventure and sci-fi and and super strong people. I mean, I love to read a comic and see people doing obviously superhuman things. I think that's really cool. But then I guess at the end of the day, I, I don't know that I could write something that's just like uh, super superman sort of like captain yeah. america straight ahead um it's i don't know i guess i see the world a little more gray and complex and yeah and she's just, just sort of complicated issues and people struggling with the uh, ideas of identity and uh like I was saying earlier, I think morality. <clears throat> so in a sense, I like I don't know that I can <laughs> write in another way. And that that stuff just sort of comes out when I when I write stuff, I suppose.
0: I mean that that's the that's the most fun thing about independent books, I think, along the way. Because I think about like Mark Russell's second chance, where it's like, yeah Superman and Jesus, what if they're a pals? And like <laughs> that, like that's a fun kind of concept that you can deal with the morality of Superman, maybe being better than jesus in some ways <laughs> that's what the promise of it is in weird ways but in this you like tackle like what if he-man lost someone he deeply cared about and got a second chance to go after him and like what if like everything wasn't so skeletal versus he-man <laughs> mm-hmm. and what if there was a deep hurt somewhere there that no one healed because no one talked to each other um and like it, it, and it's and it, then it gets very like uh, existential in some ways too, in some scenes, and especially at the end, like the way it wraps up, is very like ah, it's on to my tongue. Like what I'm thinking about, like, like the way like uh, the the statues that present themselves like reminds me just of the source wall like in DC, right? Like the idea of that mm-hmm. existing somewhere is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, and it's the idea that somebody places you there because they're done with you, kind of thing. But like this is like it's not the same kind of concept. But it, but seeing it though is like that's such a like epic feeling though to reach that, and like the way you end it with like a new it is I think it says the new cycle begins at the end of it, right? Or something like that. Like mm. it, that that feeling felt like grandiose in such a way that you don't get very often. <laughs>
1: Cool. Well, thank you for saying that. I, yeah, you know, certainly going for that epic sort of grandiose idea. And I mean, I think, you know, taking, I, when I think about things, I think about, I don't want to say existential too often in this interview, but, you know, just the idea that existence is cyclical and in a way we never die completely, we're all kind of reborn in, in some way or another. We're all matter and energy. And it just really keeps cycling. And you know, what was this in the previous world will sort of become this in the next world. And everything is is tied together. And and, and you know what you do in this world matters and it does affect the world to come. But uh, you know it's so complicated. And I think that's something with Stud is like, he's the most powerful man uh, in the universe, but on some level, you can't sort of punch your way to Mm -hmm. a solution all the time. And he's frustrated by that, that he's so strong, but he's faced with sort of complex issues that just he doesn't really know what to do about it. And he's got that sort of the arc of the story is figuring out, you know, he, at one point, he's kind of looking to someone else to sort of, define a morality for him but doesn't necessarily fit perfectly and he he's he finds an emotional connection to someone and then just sort of pursues that and um yeah you know these are challenging you know existence in itself is is a challenge and a struggle even if you're the most powerful man in the universe
0: yeah and you do the existential and the, the thoughtfulness mixed in with like heavy gore which everybody enjoys like i've been reading um (laughs) barbaric which is very much kind of like Mm. the same thing where it's like very much like what if conan thought about himself more (laughs) (laughs) yes but it's mixed in with a lot of gore but you do like humor in this too so like swiftly and like perfectly like at certain times there's jokes that are like super subtle and it took me a second to like realize oh wait hold on a second let me go back and look at this (laughs) but other times like they're so like on the nose and like in your face that you're like Wait a second, this happens in like he-man and stuff, and it's so stupid. Like this is so stupid <laughs> that this happens. Right. I think yeah, I, I think my favorite one is uh the the character. I'm I'm very bad with character names, I'm always have been, but the character that he swaps bodies with, the the Oh sign. Gary. Yeah, him being just a terrible kid and just her <laughs> missing it at every like the evil the witch missing it at every moment. Um mm-hmm. like it's such a perfect
1: gag that is done so well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, it's uh, there's, I guess, sort of a danger of being like, I like um, uh, Tim and Eric. I don't know if you Mm -hmm. know those guys. I feel like there's sort of a danger of like being that sort of intentionally stupid sort of uh, style of humor where You know, if people aren't really into that humor, you just look like you're stupid. Yeah. (laughs) But to me, like, I love that kind of humor. And like you said, that sort of, you know, these are kind of jokes riffing on tropes of He-Man or larger, you know, comic books as well but I mean in terms of humor, I have always you know growing up I, I read comic strips before I read comic books really so I think there's just something in my nature about that sort of three panel or you know you know setup and punchline kind of approach to yeah. sequential art and graphic storytelling so yeah I love putting humor in I was super fortunate to work with an amazing artist. Uh, Jed Daugherty, uh co-creator of Stud as well. And he has a just brilliant sense of humor as well. And he put, you know, little, little subtle jokes, just like in the background and uh, that I didn't even necessarily write, but he, you know, kind of found his own inspiration with the material. And uh, so, yeah, humor is obviously a huge part of the comic and, um, yeah, just I love humor as well and glad to hear it resonated.
0: Yeah, uh, speaking of art too, like Jed and Mark and uh, DeForest Fox doing the art and the colors, they capture the essence of like He-Man too. And and like more so, not even like the cartoon, but more of like the action figures. Because if anybody knows He-Man action figures, um, th- they're not from my generation, but I still know them. So you guys should know them too, like type of thing. But they're like very <laughs> like, small and kind of stubby looking action figures. <laughs> And you, you, the characters are kind of built that same way, but they have such a—they don't look goofy. Either. They look like they have just a heaviness to them. But mm-hmm. every once I'm like, that looks like an action figure. That doesn't look like an actual like cartoon or a panel in <laughs> a comic. It just looks like an action figure. Right. And it, it's just—it's it, just again one of those things that like subtle, subtle kind of details that just work really well in the book.
1: Cool. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Jed is a master of muscles for sure, and he. Uh, you know, I, I, gave him, you know, a lot of meatballs right down the center and he just drew some great super muscular people and, and creatures and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, we, you know, would love someone to make some, uh, stud action figures. We'll, we'll, you know, fingers crossed. We'll see if anybody takes us up on that.
0: Uh, but for you, Perry, where, where, where'd where you start writing? Did you start writing, have you been writing like your whole life or did the comic kind of like hit you one day? It's like, oh, I should write this and try to figure out how to do this.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've written in a lot of different mediums. I <clears throat> certainly have written my whole life. I think, uh, you know, in a way, I guess I started kind of in comics in the sense of my first sort of storytelling was probably you know in grade school drawing doodles in the back of a notebook and I used to draw actually they like comic strips I mean I really really loved comic strips growing up I mean I grew up in the 80s so I loved Bloom County and Calvin and Hobbes and you know those are probably the top I mean Peanuts is a is a classic and you know even Family Circus I know it's it's cheesy as hell and kind of stupid but you know, I just read *A Wizard of It, all of these, I every morning, you know, eating breakfast, I'd <clears throat> open the paper and read the, the funny pages, and so I would sort of emulate that at school and in my notebooks, but, you know, I've gone on to, I went to school at the University of Iowa, and I studied writing there and was in the undergrad writers workshop in fiction and um, I mean, I've written journalism, I've been an editor uh, at the LA Times and <clears throat> some other magazines, and I actually review uh, graphic novels for Kirkus Reviews, which is a kind of pre-publication um, sort of ind- publishing industry publication. So like librarians use it to decide what they're going to order oh, wow. for their for their um, libraries and uh, so yeah, and I've always I've written uh, written and self published a novel, and I've written um, some other stories that have been published. And I had a short story in uh, Heavy Metal magazine earlier this year, writing or with the awesome artist Chris Anderson. Um, he's done a bunch of stuff in Heavy Metal, and <clears throat> he's he's kickstarting a really cool comic right now, Chaotic Neutral. Um, it's like a D and D kind of story, and uh, work with Mark Sable as the writer. And it's just, uh, it looks really awesome. And it actually works as a module, a D&D module, as oh, well as a cool. comic. If So yeah, if you like D&D, check it out, Chaotic Neutral. But yeah, I guess I've always written, you know, various, in various mediums, but comic books have always sort of been, you know part of, i've read comics for decades and mm-hmm. always been part of what i like to do and i actually joined a uh, online <clears throat> workshop comics experience uh and and so a lot of all of the issues of stud or the scripts were workshopped in uh, that workshop so it's awesome to get feedback from people and so it really yeah that that helps shape everything and <clears throat> excuse me and i so I met Jed through a comic creator connection, which is like a thing they have at, at a lot of comic book conventions that we met at WonderCon up in Anaheim. I live down near San Diego and, uh, you know, it's sort of a, um, like a speed dating for comic book creators, yeah, yeah. writers on one side, artists on the other. So, yeah, I mean, so we kind of got, got more into comics just through the, uh, the, that workshop and then um the my publisher is actually a publishing arm of that workshop so yeah that's kind of what got me more <clears throat> into comics I had done uh kind of an independent uh short comic uh The Frontiersman with a cool artist TPC um like I guess it's five years or so ago now and just really love it and I guess it's always something I wanted to do was was do comics and just never Really did it until recently, and so this is, you know, been super fun and super gratifying. And we've Jed and I have been working on this for three years or something. Uh, so it's nice to <clears throat> finally get it out in the to people to read. And the first issue just came out uh, August twenty fifth. So you know the next two will be coming out. We're actually sort of uh, facing. Um, global shipping issues where the, the yeah. printer is in korea so we were actually supposed to release a second issue uh just on wednesday of this week It's delayed so working on that but those are the realities of you know producing a physical comic it's a challenge but uh you know we'll get them we'll get them out there eventually
0: it's, it's really fun to hear you talk about your your love for comic strips early on and stuff because like Growing up, that's kind of like the thing that I, I did it a lot was I would go to my local library and just be like, all of these, please. And I would just have a stack of those, like, collections of comic strips. And mm-hmm. Just because I never picked up the newspaper or anything. But I'm like, I want to read the comic strips, though. It's like, why don't you want to read comics? I'm like, because comic strips have, are, I can read those. Comics are bit hard for me to read <laughs> right now. Um, right.
1: What did and, you read? What were some of so, the yeah, collections? So like, and, and,
0: like, uh, my shelf way back over here. There's, like, uh, a bunch of, like, Calvin and Hobbes. I think I have all of the, oh, the nice. small versions of everything um mm-hmm. foxtrot was a big one for me growing up um i read a lot of bloom county was, was one um i read a lot of peanuts uh what else did i read uh there was there's one called like something roses i can't remember what it was called it was one my mom really liked and so i read it with her and i read a lot of zits even though i was, a, I was nowhere near a teenager at that point i'm like yeah <laughs> this kid I, under, mm-hmm. I understand him somehow, somehow. <laughs> Um and yeah, it's just a lot of fun reading comic strips and they're so re-readable because there's oh, no like sure. really ongoing story with a lot of them so you kind of just can be like I don't need to really know what happened before or after I just pick a random comic strip random volume and just read it. Mm-hmm. Um and so yeah like n- knowing that like that's somebody else's origin kind of in some way like <laughs> it is really fun because I think you learn a lot of good and important lessons from comic strips that you kind of can't get from uh, regular floppies that you get at
1: your local comic shop. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I love sort of that, like I was saying earlier, the the punchline aspect mm-hmm. and and even just the um sort of repeating frame kind of way comic strips work is like that's a great uh sort of vehicle for delivering a punchline where you're sort of looking at the same thing but there's like some subtle difference between the the panels that just like really drives home the joke or, or whatever.
0: And it really helps show like how much detail you can get in the small space. Cause I think some people worry that like being limited into like, like independent comics, if you're limited to like a hundred pages for like graphic novel or something, like I can't pack all of it in there. I can't do it. It's (laughs) like, well, maybe if you're smart about it though, Oh, Maybe for sure. Can. <laughs> Maybe you can't. Like the, the, like the density of the three issues of Stud is so impressive. And like not even over dense. There's not a moment where I felt overwhelmed reading it. I was like, this is perfectly balanced. Like it has plenty of stuff to look at, plenty of stuff to read, plenty of stuff to like action happening the whole time. But it's not empty because I've read a lot of independent books that kind of end up being empty because they are they either don't know how to fill the space or they are worried about filling too much of the space or mm-hmm. comics that are just way too dense and you can't focus on one thing and you get lost and you just don't pick up issue
1: too because you're totally lost.
0: <laughs> um, and not that they're bad books, but they're just uh, poorly managed in, in that kind of way of space.
1: Sure. No, that's a great point. I mean, I think I've read a lot of comics where it's almost like too much. Too many talking heads. I mean, mm-hmm. Jed sort of sometimes <laughs> got a little uh, fed up with me. Maybe that I was had so much in each panel in the script, but he obviously did what was in the script. And and I mean, yeah, that's you know a huge compliment uh, from you. I mean, that's really what I'm going for is sort of the right level of density, like you said, I mean, there's some, I mean, Chris Ware is an amazing artist, of course, but sometimes I read his stuff and I'm like, there's just so much going on that it's like exhausting, mm-hmm. you know, to, to get through. And I try to, of course, balance, um, you know, dialogue with uh, stuff, uh, images and stuff. And, you know, I'm sure I went a little too much into the dialogue sometimes, but even when you're doing that, I feel like, like I was saying, I one of my least favorite things, I guess, in comics is like just talking heads. And I, of course I did it at least sometimes. instead. it's kind of hard to completely not do, but just, yeah. I like to layer stuff. Like even if it's someone talking, there should be something in the background that is compelling or just uh, adds another layer you
0: know yeah and I, and I think like knowing your genre is very important i feel like you knew your genre going in so you're like this is like that's the thing like if there's too much talking heads in a he-man comic like what's what's uh, happening
1: yeah you've done something wrong yeah sure. but
0: like <laughs> yeah so i think you like purposely picking like this is my specific thing that i'm going for and then just like gunning for it like it doesn't ever feel like you let the foot up on the gas but make sure you, you hug those roads real tight <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes thank thank you like i said that's uh, what we were going for i'm glad to hear you enjoyed it
0: um so what's next what's come what's coming up next for you are you working on a new book or are you planning on a longer series and three issues next like what's going on next
1: sure yeah i mean i do have a a, a script it's a i mean i don't know that anybody is looking for a an a truly ongoing story these days it sounds like i mean my understanding anyways like most every publisher who's maybe once a three to you might ultimately get to a sort of ongoing story but you kind of write it in three mm-hmm. to five issue chunks and so yeah i have a, an idea that's sort of like ancient aliens meets uh indiana jones national treasure sort of thing um just you know <clears throat> love the I'm obsessed with the ideas of human origins and you know, to me, it's more interesting that uh, we came from some space alien <laughs> race that came down and sort of monkeyed with our uh, DNA and whatever. So it's sort of that and and globe trotting adventure kind of thing, finding the pieces of the origin. Um, so yeah, I'm writing the script now, and uh, you know, done a little workshopping of that in. Uh, the um workshop that i belong to and so i haven't haven't hooked up with an artist yet i mean i think that's always kind of the the extra extra challenge yeah. um but yeah so working on that i have some other sort of ideas cooking but uh that's kind of what's caught my attention right now so hopefully get get through that before too long and maybe do a do a pitch for a publisher or you know kickstarter of course is a great great medium um so yeah Got got some irons in the fire and hopefully uh, get those out before too long.
0: I'm ready to read uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but with less CGI.
1: Um. <laughs> there you go, right? Yeah. yeah, I guess somebody beat me to it there, but uh, we'll put some other stuff in there
0: yeah you, you won't have any chimps like chasing after someone in the jungle that looks real weird
1: <laughs> oh my god that was horrible yes yeah.
0: i think like <laughs> i i don't know when it came up recently but i was talking to someone about that i'm like yeah the plot's fine it's mostly just like everything looked bad <laughs> like that was, yeah. that was my biggest issue
1: oh yeah um, Marion Marion was just i don't know something she's yeah. very tired she couldn't yeah. speak it's weird it was a weird experience um now the new one's coming right new, yeah and, it,
0: and, it, and it's, to me it's promising because i really like four versus friday i really like logan so james so, Manigold, sure. like yeah okay well let's we'll see if this works <laughs> <laughs> um so i have a couple questions for you before we wrap up uh, a couple like well quicker questions first ones who's your favorite he-man character yeah pick one I,
1: sure uh stratos has always been been my guy I just i like the the beard i like his goggles sort of the flying monkey guy with a jetpack can't can't resist
0: and you talked about uh the workshop to find your collaborators Uh, do you know like other ways that people can go out and find collaborators that's always the most fascinating thing for me about independent work so like how do you find people because like it seems so hard but everybody also comes like "Ah, i just i just found them on the street kind of thing (laughs) it always always comes off so easy for uh independent creators when they start looking for it actually
1: sure yeah i mean um you know facebook or twitter twitter of, of course is sort of the most active uh, social media for comics I, I, in my experience anyways and you know you kind of start talking to people there and see the threads and and put stuff out there um so yeah i think i mean whenever the uh i guess they're starting to do conventions again but that comic creator connection was really a good experience and yeah i would just you know if you're going to a comic con just look it up online and see if they have something like that because it's a quick way to meet a whole lot of artists and, and just have a real direct conversation about if your ideas sort of meld together well and but but also like i said yeah like twitter and and just online, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a challenge to find people and, you know, it's, it's, can be expensive to get a, a really good person, but, yeah. you know, it's often, uh, worth it.
0: And our last question for you: uh, another thing I always like to ask independent creators: what was the easiest and hardest part about making an independent book?
1: Ooh, <clears throat> it's a great, great question. I mean, I guess the easiest thing was just, I wanted to do it so badly that there was always the motivation to push through. I mean, I think the hardest thing is probably the idea that so many people, the, you, you assemble your creative team and if you're really doing it independently, you know you're not getting paid by a publisher and so no one's making particularly good money, and so everyone, I don't know, I don't want to say they have a chip on their shoulder, but it's sort of like everyone has, uh, you know, they have to sort of make their, their feelings known, and, you know, so a lot of my work, I guess, as the writer, I sort of became sort of the Uh, producer in a way of like keeping everyone on track and and keeping things moving um, and paying people also so I mean I guess that that was sort of the hardest thing is just keeping it moving uh, with so many different people and everyone sort of doing this on the side so everyone always had something going on that mm-hmm. maybe delayed things but um but yeah i think you know everyone um, stud anyways you know turned in great work and everyone kind of felt that quality of the work and that that helped everyone keep moving forward and um you know <clears throat> i like I, we've been saying the whole time I, I love comics so much that there was just that passion to to get this done and get it out there and it's great that it's finally out uh being read by people
0: i feel like there's like a slight hesitation when like pay like you're paying as best you can but like it's not like top rates like there's slight hesitations like i need you to redraw this like like (laughs) please (laughs) like Mm -hmm. like just a slight hesitation with asking about that
1: oh for sure yeah i mean i don't know i'm sure some people pay really well but yeah as an independent comic creator you know you you do want to do right by people of course but yeah you don't want to go into excessive debt yeah. to get it done
0: uh well perry thank you so much for coming on and talking about stud talking about your history with comics uh where can people find you if they want to connect with you like on twitter and facebook and sure stuff? uh
1: i am on twitter at p.a crow my middle name's alan so perry Allen crow so at p.a crow c-r-o-w-e um i'm on facebook and stuff too but twitter is probably where i do the most uh comic book stuff so yeah reach out and the stud is at cexpublishing.com if you just go to that it's comics experience publishing um and it's also in in stores as well but yeah jesse's thank you so much for having me on great talking to you yeah i mean that's one of my favorite things about doing this is talking to awesome comic people
0: yeah, it's, uh, it's honestly the reason why I keep doing the show because I'm so exhausted sometimes. I'm like, oh, I got to make sure I get something going on. But I'm also like, I get to talk to someone I've never got to talk to before about comic books. And like, I would say I have like, n- my brain is like 90% comics, but I get to talk about comics like 1% of my life. So it's like, <laughs> it's kind of like a hard, like turn off type of thing. where I'm like, I, c- I can turn this friend conversation I'm having with someone to comics, but then they'll just walk away. <laughs> um you can find this show on Twitter at YComicsPod, Facebook at uh, com- Facebook.com slash YComicsPodcast. You can email me at YComicsPodcast at gmail.com. If you have a question for a guest, want to be a guest yourself, uh, or have a story about how comics impacted you, you can reach me on all those places. Uh, please leave a review if you like the show and tell a friend. Uh, logo is done by Andy Manley, who you can see working on The Simpsons currently. And the banner is by my friend Steven. Uh, and the theme of the show is Join the Restaurant by Z- David's David And remember everybody, Captain America punch Nazis and also to become Captain America he got a shot that no one knew it was going to work maybe you could become the next Captain America so please get your shots